You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. After, after Emerge conference, and he, he said, Jeff, I, I think you need to share the same message you shared at Emerge, uh, because I wasn't actually able to make it through the entire message, um, because I got sidetracked and went down a tangent of men, how to treat your wives, which is a great tangent. Uh, men, treat your wives better. It's a great tangent. But this morning, uh, I want to talk about love. Um, I want to talk about love the real way, what the Bible says about love, and, and, and actually, where we go from here. Because I feel like there's, uh, today, when, after I get into sharing this message, I wanna give you some steps on how to feel love, how to feel appreciated, how to feel honored, how to feel respected. So I'm gonna tell you what love's not first. Uh, love is not the Hallmark movies. Um, they're all the same. Young co-ed, she finds, a ba- she finds a man on Christmas Eve, she finds a man on New Year's Eve. It's always just the nick of time. She's standing there at the bottom of the light tower or the tower with the clock on it. And she's like, they said he said he'd be here at midnight. And somehow at 11.59, it cuts to him. And it looks like the Valor video. He's running through the trees. He slides in and he's, there's no sweat on him. I'm like, bro, how did you, like, you need to be hydrated or something, dog. You're not even sweating. But it's not like that. But that's, like, that's where we all get our, our, our thoughts on love. We all get them from TV, we all get them from radio, we get them from Instagram. Like TV destroyed my beliefs about childbirth. Like just destroyed them. Because I thought my baby freedom, I think they have a picture of her. Maybe not. Uh, This one, that's freedom, that's my beautiful wife. She couldn't be here today because she's under the weather. But when Freedom was born, I thought she was gonna come out wrapped in swaddling cloth, clean and awesome looking, and they handed me an alien. Like, it is, it is what it is. A little nine pound, two ounce baby Yoda. Like, get this thing away from me. And so, the, so, like, television has ruined us. And so, if you come with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 13, four through eight, it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Say truth. Truth. No, really, say truth. Truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. That is the textbook definition of love. But what has happened is that's not the kind of love any of us have felt. Or maybe some of us have felt that love but like I know me, I have a checkered past. Like I shared at Emerge Men's Ministry, like my mom was 17. My dad is 34, or was 34. He's not 34 anymore, that'd be weird. <laughs> but my dad was 34. My mom is Caucasian. My dad is African-American. 36 years ago, that was difficult. I'm from the middle of Missouri. And so when my mom got pregnant with me, my grandfather and her mother and everybody said, we want nothing to do with those black kids. You know, and so that's not loving. And so when I'm born, obviously my, my mom's whole family leaves her. And so in spite, what happens is her whole family leaves her and now I'm the cause of that pain. And so she takes that burden and puts it on me. And so now I'm the cause of her pain and so she can't love me because I've caused her so much pain. Because I'm a constant reminder of what her family's done to her. 
Fast forward a little while longer, my mom gets married to, her, to another guy and, and, and we don't, he's a business owner and it doesn't actually benefit him in business to have stepchildren that are African-American. And so my mom abandons us with the next door neighbors and then we bounced around from family to family, home to home. And it ended up you know, leading to me being molested as a child. And so obviously like, I could not, I never felt that love for my mom. I never felt that kind of love. And there's so many people in here and you, you've never felt that kind of love from your parents. You've never felt that kind of love from people who were supposed to love, honor, and cherish you. Because yes, they may have said they loved you, but their actions didn't line up to what, what they said. They're, they may have said they loved you, but they put hands on you. They may have loved you, but they put you in situations and circumstances that allowed someone else to do something to you or allowed someone else to harm you or hurt you. And so understanding love is something that like I had to walk through. I had to walk through, like I was, and until a few, let's just say a few years, I was your typical angry young man. If you talked to me, if you corrected me, if you did anything, you're going to get an angry, angry response. And I'm not really, I wasn't really mad at anybody. I was just a young, I was a grown man, but inside I was a young man crying out for somebody just to love me. And so you may have brought, you could have brought a word of correction to me or you could have brought something to me to help me, but everything you say sounds like an attack. Hey, your truck's getting robbed. Or hey, somebody's stealing your truck. Well, like, or any, it didn't, anything. That's a great truck, Jeff. Oh, he probably thinks I pay too much for my payment. Like, it's unhealthy. I'm being real with y'all, it's unhealthy. Hey, Jeff, great sermon. Did, you, did she really mean that? Or is that just uh, every, you question everything. You question everyone. Because everybody who told me they cared for me abandoned me or mistreated me. And so I cannot trust anyone. Until I walked into Awakened Church. I, I know I told my story, but like I am the men's pastor now at our church. But eight years ago, I walked into Emerge thinking, what happened? Like there was like two black people and we're in the middle of uh, this weird campsite and dudes have wood on their back and war paint and they're screaming and I'm like, this is the beginning of every scary movie where people that look like me die first. Um, and then, and then the, the second worship song comes on and I start bawling. And I'll never forget the first time I heard a Holy, the Holy Spirit say, son, you're home. And I was like, that Kool-Aid we just drank, there was something in that. It's about to get really weird up in here tonight. <laughs> the title of my sermon today is Post-Traumatic Love Disorder. And the reason why I call it Post-Traumatic Love Disorder is because PTSD, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Syndrome, is something that we get as Marines or service members who have been in combat. And so if your life has been a war zone, or if your life has been less than optimal, you're gonna have a problem actually experiencing and expressing love correctly. Because things that should have been taught to you as a child, now you're being taught to you as a grown man and, and it's hard to, I don't know why I'm laughing and crying and screaming all at the same time. Like I, I just, we, you don't know how to experience it. You don't know how to express it. And what happens is when you can't express love, you actually wound everybody else around you. When you can't express or receive love, you wound everyone else around you. 
because I'll give you guys some stories. Like Gloria would try to do great things for me and I was never appreciative because you can't do something for me and not expect something from me. Because my whole life I've been taught that like the only reason you're doing something to me is for something. Because like my mom taught me, my dad taught me, people taught me I was unlovable, disregarded, abandoned. And so why would you love me? The first point this morning is trauma stops us from receiving love. When you come out of an abusive relationship, which I would say that my, my upbringing from my mother was abusive and, my, and the lack of parenting was abusive. And so when you come out of an abusive relationship, you put a front on, okay? So I grow up not, not really, not really, you know, I didn't really date. I was a serial player, but I didn't really date. Like there was no, because I was taking out the, the frustrations I had on my mom on other women. Like I couldn't have a real relationship with a woman until I got married because I, would, I never got breakthrough. I went to emerge two months after I got married. Thank glory, thanks God every day, like every day. <laughs> two months after I get married, I go to emerge. And you know, so I get married to glory, bless her heart. Um, <laughs> she's walked through some things with me. But I get married to Glory and like Glory would bring me uh, food to work or she would say she loves me and I didn't really tell Glory I loved her for about a year. Yes, wow. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Get this dude off stage. God bless you. And so Glory would say things to me like, I love you. And I would be like, oh yeah, you love the way you have a roof over your head. You love the fact that you drive a brand new car. You love the fact that um, you know that if I'm around, no one's gonna harm you. Because I thought like loving someone was just like, oh, I'm a big physical dude. Like if somebody steps to her, I got her. That's like, not, that's like part of it, a little smidge, because 90% of the time that's never gonna happen. Girl, you know I got you, but like, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> and so, you know, when you grow up and like, you never, like, I never, my mom and dad like never said they loved me. My mom always made me feel like a burden, but it wasn't her fault. Like my mom made me feel like a burden because her dad made her feel like a burden. Her dad left as well when he found out she was pregnant with me. And so I'm a burden to her because I've, my very presence has caused a wound in her life. And so every time she looks at me and my siblings, she sees what happened. It's the same reason that when, when children or when a woman is raped and she conceives, she disregards the child because that child reminds her of a traumatic experience. So it's the same thing. That's why a lot of times when a mother and father lose a child, they end up getting divorced because the other spouse reminds them of the child they lost. And so I understand her traumatic response. Like I understand it now as a 34 year old man, like I understand why it happened. If you read your Bible in Psalms 22:9, it states, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. Now, when I, when I read that verse that teaches us that, that that God taught us to trust by the nurturing of our mothers. Fathers are strength and identity. Mamas are trust. 
And so if you never had a mom that gave you, the, that never coddled you, that never nurtured you, you're obviously gonna have a hard time trusting when somebody says they love you or trusting when somebody says anything. And, and so when I'm there, and, and so obviously I never trusted my mom, and so how could I trust another woman? And that's the very time when I found out that like I started treating women as objects. I'm gonna get really real, is that cool? Okay, I just wanna make sure I'm covering, okay. Um, unresolved trauma is why I actually had so many sexual partners. And I'm gonna explain that here in a second. Because there's, there's, the Bible talks about there's four distinct kinds of love. And I'm gonna use some Greek words and Pastor Dr. Mike, if I butcher them, uh, just we'll talk about it after service and you correct me, I'm good with that. Um, the first one, the first Greek word is storge. And that's that familiar love. That's the love that a mother has when they look at their little brand new alien. <laughs> like that's, the, that's familiar love. It's how a brother loves his brothers. It's how Martha and Mary loved Lazarus. That's where you heard the love when they cried out, Jesus, you're late. Lazarus is already dead. That's that, you could, you could, if you read the Bible, like I'm gonna, I have to put myself in the situation. Like I could hear the screaming of Martha and Mary as they said, Jesus, you're late, Lazarus, is, he's gone. It's the way that Moses and Aaron and Jacob and everyone, it's a familiar love. And so if you've never had that familiar love, if you've never had that bond with your family, if you never had that bond, you're gonna have a very hard time experiencing the next three types of love I'm gonna talk about. The second type of love I wanna talk about is phileo love. Phileo is, is it's, it's brotherly love. It's where we get the word Philadelphia from, the city Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's how, it's how we're supposed to love one another as believers. It's how we're supposed to care for one another here at the altar with kindness, compassion. If you don't trust your family and you walk through the door of a church, so I used to think our church was corny. I'm, I told you I'm gonna be real. I used to think our church was weird. When you walk in and everybody's like, yo, what's up champion, we love you, we die. And I'm like, but I thought it was weird because I'd never heard somebody say they love someone else. And not understanding the distinction between the four kinds of love. And so I was literally, I, was, I would make jokes like, I'm sure you love me, brother. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yep, cool, we're good. Yeah, thanks. Can I just make my way to my seat? And then it got to the point where I would show up for, the, at Balboa, I would show up for the 1020 service. Oh. <laughs> Some of y'all get that. Church starts at 10, but I would show up 20 minutes late so I didn't have to talk to nobody. <laughs> and I would sit as far away from stage as possible with a hoodie on. But that's because I had unresolved trauma that stopped me from receiving love. Like I would come to church and people would be like, bro, I love you, we're you know, praying for you. And I'm like, cool, um, great. Like I don't even know what that type, you know what I mean? Like the, is, it, is this weird or is this, um, you know? Because you don't understand it. And so when somebody says love, like anything, anytime, a man, anytime another man tells me he loves me, I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> no. Like that's no, because I didn't understand them. You know what I mean? Like that's real talk. That's why like these guys are like, I'm not gonna go there, Mike. I'm gonna leave them. Nope. <laughs> the third kind of love, and this is the kind of love that like men wanna talk about. 
They want to talk about eros love. That's the, uh, that's the attraction to your spouse. And like, it's the tantric love. And I, I, I'm glad that the Bible talks about this. I'm glad that the Bible talks about this because it makes it, it, it says that it's okay. Like it's okay for me in the confines of my household to think my wife is attractive. Like it is, ladies, it's a compliment that your husband finds you attractive and wants some bedroom time. Like you ladies, do you find it as annoying sometimes? But that's how men feel connected to you. You know, like ladies, you're, you feel connected when you're intimate, when you're face to face, when you can talk to your husband about your problems, right? Oh, y'all don't talk to y'all. <laughs> that doesn't happen at South Campus? Oh. <laughs> like, you want like, intimate, emotional intimacy, ladies, right? So that's how you feel connected to your spouses. And men feel connected with bedroom time. But, but here's, here's, here's just men. If you want more bedroom time, you need to have face-to-face -face time because that's the way your ladies communicate. But I didn't understand that. And so I thought like I could be this walking jerk to my wife and then expect her to want expect her to want to be intimate with me in the bedroom when I'm not intimate with her face to face. And so this type of love is the type of love that gets us in trouble. The reason why it gets us in trouble is because this kind of love, we skip the first two. We skip storge. We skip phileo. And we think if I sleep with somebody, at least that's some kind of love. But that's operating from a spirit. That's brokenness. Because you can't skip steps. That's what I've learned in this journey with God. Like you can't skip steps. And every time that I've tried to skip steps in this journey, God's like, no. I tried to skip steps and say I was healed and I was removed from the pulpit. I'm, a, I'm just gonna be real with you guys. I met with Pastor Jurgen and he was like, hey Jeff, you're immature. It's, I'm be open and I, 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 it's what happened. And I'm a pastor in his church. I wasn't a pastor then, but because I tried to skip steps. I thought as, if I love my family and I love God, that's enough. You can't skip steps. I gotta love my family. I gotta love my fellow believers. I gotta love my wife, which I was not doing well at the time because I was broken, and I gotta love God. Number two. Second point, trauma stops us from being able to give love. How do I give what I've never received? How do I even know there's something to give? Very, my, I, I became, what happens is I become very performance-based. Here, even here in the church in the, new, the, first, the beginning of it. They'll love me if I'm the first person there. They'll love me if I, if I stay until four o'clock in the morning. They'll love me if I'm the hardest worker. They'll love me if I get the most donations at a merge conference. They'll love me if I do something for them. And then I had to sit down with Pastor John and Pastor Colin Higginbottom and Dr. Matt, and they're like, Jeff, 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 we love you for you. And, and they said it until they were blue in the face because I couldn't like, that my history tells me I'm unlovable. 
and now I'm in a church and everything is about love. So my history has put a ceiling, my history and all the trauma put a ceiling on me actually being able to step into the fullness of what God called me to be. I like couldn't tell Glory how I felt. If you guys don't get it, my wife's name's Glory. I just, I don't know her. <laughs> like I couldn't tell her like a, like I need to be loved. Like I know that like a lot of times you guys see me, I look like, Really mean, RBF, I get it. But like, I need to be loved, I'm a big teddy bear. Like I just told you guys, I watch Hallmark movies. And the movie, The Notebook. Ladies, if a guy sends you 365 messages on Instagram and you don't respond, respond, run. That dude is a creep, that's not real. Do not marry somebody you just met. Do a background check, do a credit check. You need to like, let's. Let's just break that. I know he's attractive right now, ladies, but just uh, let's get that one confirmed by a pastor. No, but like, so I, I would like be in a situation where people would tell me, Jeff, we love you. We'd be in a connect group. Bunch of dudes, yeah, love you, bro, love you, bro, love you, bro. And I'm like, nah, no, 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 no. Because I couldn't like say it. And I had to, early on in our marriage, because of this, obviously we struggled. We did awaken, you know, marital counseling, the premarital, we did it three times while we were married. No, we did it before, and then we did it several times after. Because I just couldn't get it. I just couldn't get that I can't talk to my wife that way. I, I couldn't get it that like, if someone says something to me about my future, it's not because they want something from me in the future. When Pastor Jurgen told me, hey, Jeff, you're gonna be my men's pastor someday, six years ago, I was like, well, of course he does. Look how I perform. I couldn't even get it. I, like, I might have a call of God on my life. Like, I might be more than my performance. I might actually be lovable. Like, I might be able to have a, a like, okay, this, I'm lovable. And the reason why I couldn't, like, love others is because, honestly, like, I never was able to grieve my past. I never could be able to grieve my past because what happens is I, if I grieve my past, you guys, like, and you reject me, that's just going to like reaffirm how I already feel. But if I grieve my past with you, there might be breakthrough on the other side. So I just had to take the chance. And I said point number two was trauma stops us from, from loving others. And the reason I bring that one up and why, why it was a constant theme is when I got married to Glory and she would try to do great things for me. She would try to uh, make me food or be this amazing mother that she is and she's great at it. And I love my wife more than, yes, just more than, I don't even, there's not even words. Like my mind can't formulate the words to put it into thought. I just can't, I'm not a wordsmith like Dr. Mike. I just can't, it just, that doesn't, every time he preaches, I have to get a Bible, like, or a dictionary, like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 got that one. Uh, but I can't put him in a thought. But I married her, and, and, and I had put up all these walls. Like, if my emotions are a river, I've built dams to stop my emotions from actually funneling through to her. And I had become my own false prophet, even after being married. 
I become my own false prophet and I'm telling Glory, like Glory would you know, come in, I love you, I'm like, yeah, cool, because I had dug such a big hole being my own false prophet, like it's always gonna be this way. Your mama didn't want you. <laughs> your mama didn't want you. Your daddy didn't want you. Nobody in your family wants you. So I dug this well, and I'm operating in a love deficit. And then I get married to Glory, and Glory's trying to fill a hole that she can't fill. And that's what I mean by not being able to love others. Glory's trying to fill a void. She's operating in a deficit. She's operating on, on, on grounds that it's not an even playing field. She doesn't know what actually is going on behind the scenes. She doesn't know that she's married to somebody that's got extreme brokenness because it was, it was too feminine to deal with my brokenness. I'm, like it's too, it, uh, the world tells me like men are supposed to be stoic creatures. The Bible tells me we're supposed to be love, but the world tells me I need to just be a guy that can just carry the weight of the world on my shoulders, but that's not real. I'll cry at a sunset now. It's just so beautiful. Look at all God did. Look at that something just. <laughs> Here at Awaken Church, like this is a safe space. I know we all make memes about, you know, millennials and their safe spaces. I know we make those jokes. I do it too. But here at Awaken Church, like we want you to grieve your past. Like we're equipped to deal with your mess. Like we're equipped to separate the wheat from the chaff. We can take away, we can, we, with God, obviously, we're here, we, we have people and teams and systems and structure that are here, here to help you be whole and healed, help you to deal with a love deficit. When I got here at my first Emerge conference, Mike Clark, you guys, he's a board member of the church, but he grabbed me by the arm and uh, when the rite of passage came on, the rite of passage is an amazing moment, but I'm 26 years old at the time. And they're doing the rite of passage. They're doing, they're doing the rite of passage and I can't watch the rite of passage. And I can't watch the rite of passage because I, I was looking at these dads that have been with their sons And they'd been with their sons and their dads would run alongside them saying, hey, um, I believe in you, you got this, you, you can do this, you, you, this, like, I, this is who I say you are, this is who I say you are. Like, and so I'm walking down, a dirt, I, I leave the rite of passage up at Green Oaks and I go walk down this, this, this dirt road because I'm at the point where I remember I can't cry in front of other men and there's 700 dudes there and I gotta go hide in a porta potty to cry. Some of y'all did that at an emergency last I gotta go hide because I can't let other, other men see me cry. And I'll never forget, I put my hood up and I'm walking down this dirt road. And I, I bump into Mike Clark, he's my captain at the time. And, he, and he's like, what's up? And I'm like, oh, nothing. I'm like, hey, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. And he's like, what's going on? And he, he's like, he, he didn't even know. 
He grabbed my arm and he says, I love you. And I melted in his arms. And Mike's a little guy. I melted him in his arms because like, I never had the affirmation from anyone. Like, he didn't know what I could do. Only God knew. He had no idea who I was. But he, he was a father figure that, that affirmed that I had value and meaning. That my very existence was not just to, because my mom wanted to have some fun in the back of a car 35 years ago. But like, my very existence like, mattered to someone more than just me. I, 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 the power of a mother and father. Mama and, mamas and daddies in here today, listen to me. Your kids need to hear you love them. And if you, you're in here today and, and maybe you haven't, you don't feel like you've expressed the love to your children the right way. Like, that's okay. Like, it's okay. Because God is the author of time. And he can return years. And so what I want you to do is when you pick up your kids and I want you to just grab your sons and daughters and just, hey, like, I love you. Because there's, there's, there is frustration in being a parent. I, I know I have two kids, two beautiful daughters, and they're beautiful and hectic and a storm and all these things right together. So like at times I have to like stop and at first I had to reset. I met with Pastor Colin Hankenbottom. I had to put a reminder in my phone because I was never a touchy-feely person. And so at first I had to set a reminder in my phone. Hey, make sure you call your wife and tell her how much she means to you. Make sure you, you love freedom. Freedom is my oldest daughter. Make sure you love freedom the way she needs to be loved. Uh, my second daughter's name is Justice. Make sure Justice needs to be loved the way she need, needs to be. And I had to set a reminder because that's how I actually broke through it. Like now, I mean, I love my children, so it's easy now. But at first, it, was, it had to be repetitive over and over again. And sometimes I didn't, like honestly, when my wife and I were fighting, I didn't want to call my wife and tell her she was amazing. But a lot of times when she wasn't being amazing, it's because she was dealing with my emotional trauma. She wasn't, she wasn't okay because of the way I was talking to her. She wasn't okay because of the way I had treated her. She wasn't, she wasn't okay. And I mean, the first thing, before I could even preach this message, you guys, I, I, I was laying in bed and my wife and I have been through just some, some trials because I, I've been on stage for you know, a few years now. And early on, I would get up here and I would, I would preach something and then go home and not be what I just preached. I can be an emerged captain. I can be this amazing man in front of all the men and then go home and be emotionally abusive to my wife. And one night, the Holy Spirit, I, I, I'm laying there in bed and you know, my wife and I are in a great place now. A great place. And I'm laying in bed. And it's just been one of those days. It had been one of those days where uh, all, everything had gone wrong. And it was just now it's 11 o'clock at night and my, my wife is like, babe, can we talk? And I'm like, I'm like, uh, yeah, we, yeah, of course. Let's talk. It's 11 o'clock at night. Let's talk. And she grabbed my hand. I was laying in bed. And she said, 
you have turned into everything I wanted you to be. And that broke me. I, we have a king size, California king size bed, and so I rolled all the way over to one side and... <laughs> because that had showed me how far we had come, that it showed me that like I had started to love her appropriately, that it showed me that my past was no longer gonna dictate how I actually felt. last thing I want to share with you, the last point, is trauma is generational. Trauma, it can actually be passed through the womb. It can be passed through by our actions. And, and one of the proudest moments of my life is, I know I've done all right when, you know, this last twisted. My daughter was in twisted. And it was like, it was almost like that line in the sand for the devil that like my family is going to be planted that I may not have been in church but my family is going to be here I've talked a lot about my mom and I don't ever want to come across as dishonoring because when you're dishonoring you become dishonored honorable people be honor and so I've had all these conversations with my mother, and so I'm speaking to you from a place of victory, not as a victim. And so I just, I, I wanted to, it's never okay. I just, someone here needs to hear that. Like, even if, you, even if you honor your mother for giving birth to you, that's enough. You're here, like, everyone can be honored. And so I said that, that trauma is generational, and I wanna tell you guys a story in closing, and then I'm gonna open the altar. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna open the altar for, for people who are, have been abused for people who have felt unloved, unappreciated, for the abusers and the abused. Because there's, people, there's men and women in here today, and, and let's be honest, the last two years have been difficult. And so uh, there's shame around the abusers. We're gonna break that off this morning too. The, team, the team's gonna do an amazing job here in a minute. I told you guys in the beginning the story about my mom and, and like her dad leaving and all these things. And so my mom is 50 years old then when this story happened and she's a nurse she's a hospice nurse and her she gets word from her sister that her dad's in the hospital my grandpa the guy I've never met she gets word that he's in the hospital so my mom shuts down everything else in her life and runs to the hospital and for three weeks my mom is his hospice nurse hadn't seen him in 36 years and for three weeks my mom is his hospice nurse she's cleaning him She's cleaning up vomit and he's defecating on himself. His body is just riddled with cancer. And my mom and I, I remember in my humanistic side, I was like, hearing the story, I heard it afterwards. I was so angry with my mom. I was so upset with her because how could you go honor him? And I found out it wasn't her honoring him. She was there for three weeks with them, cleaning him because she was trying to, to get 36 years of love she missed. So she's cleaning him and, and she's a nurse and healthcare professionals know like if your vocal cords shut down, he can never actually utter the words. So he, he can't actually utter, I, I love you to my mom. And she knows this, but she's there. 
She's there and she's saying, maybe all this trauma in my life was not real. Maybe I've imagined it. Maybe my dad actually did love me. Maybe my dad actually did care for me. And so over three weeks, she, she never got it. He, he, he died and, you know, my mom never got it. And my mom passed that like spirit of being unloved to me. But here's what happened. I got saved at a merge and decided that I'm gonna draw a line in the sand. And there's not gonna be a spirit of unbelief, a, a spirit of brokenness and trauma in my family. Because I'll be, uh, if, if I stood here and told y'all as a pastor, this, this straight sermon, this, this story, and, and then I went home and didn't act this out. Like my daughters know they, I love them. My daughters know I care for them. They will never grow up believing, even if sometimes I do it overboard. I'm, a, I'm that dude sometimes. I just, I, you know what I mean? Because I want, when, when my daughters are my age, like when my daughters are my age and it's time for me to check out, and it's time for me to go on to heaven, I want my daughters to know I want my daughters to know that I loved them, I cared for them, I honored them, I appreciated them. I need my family to know that I love them and honor and care for them. And guess what? There's chain breakers in this room. There is chain breakers in this room. There are people in this room that yes, you were abused. Yes, you were mistreated. Yes, you were mishandled, but that will not be your children's story. That will not be your business story. You, I declare right now in Jesus' name that that will not be your story. The journey that I went on to be healed from all this trauma was painful. I'm gonna be brutally honest with you guys. This, this step we're about to make right now is not easy. It's not easy to deal with generational wounds. And the reason we call them wounds is because they're still festering. They're still festering in your actions. They're still festering in how you talk to your husbands and wives and children. Uh, that's okay, that's the way my dad talked to me. No, that's not okay. That's just the way my family is. No, that's not okay. And so right now, I, I want you all to stand to your feet. I would not be where I am had I not taken three steps. The first step was responding to an altar, uh, invitation. Well, actually my wife said, go to Emerge or don't come home. But um, the first step was, I, I responded to my wife's words to go to conference. And then the second one was I went to the altar and I said, I don't know what's going on in my body right now. I don't know why I feel all mushy and weird and, and but there's, there's something feels like it's invading me right now. Like I almost felt like my, like it was almost like something had locked my spine and said, you cannot get out of this room. And so I just stayed at a merge conference. And the third one is I, I allowed people in and I allowed the author of the universe in. And every word that my dad didn't say Every word that my mom didn't say, God says. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't. There is a void in some of you this morning and there's still parts of me that are voided. I'm walking this journey out. I'm not preaching this from a, like I'm, I'm a finished product. I don't believe I'll be finished until the glory of God takes me. But I feel like there's people in here that are, that are wounded and they're, they're, you're operating in a void right now. And so I'm gonna begin to pray and I'm gonna ask you to do something courageous because this is that line in the sand right here. 
I'm gonna ask you something courageous. If you're in this room and you've ever felt unloved, unappreciated, if you've been abused or abused somebody, I'm gonna ask you to come to the altar right now. Be courageous, I'm gonna start to pray and just be courageous and don't, don't care what people think about you. Don't care if you gotta push your way to the front, if you gotta, whatever you gotta do. to pray in church. I don't want these, I don't want me to do the only heavy lifting. We talked about that brotherly love. These are your brothers and sisters and they need your prayers right now. So I'm gonna begin to pray and we're gonna declare right now in your name who these people are. So Heavenly Father, right now in your name, I declare that these people are loved, God. They are not, they are not people of their circumstances, God. It does not matter what their mom and dad has said to them. God, you are the God in heaven. You are the author. You are the finisher, God. Right now, I declare ceilings being unlocked. I declare ceilings being unlocked. That I see wounds healing. I see wounds healing and scars forming. And this, all the scar means is that the devil tried to break you, but he didn't win. And so right now I declare that these people are healed, God, that, that there is transformation, God, that they would be able to give and receive love, that they would be people who are after your heart, God. God, fill a void, fill a void, fill a void. Right now in Jesus' name, I declare the spirit of poverty being loose off people right now. The spirit of generational curses being broke off right now. You are not what your earthly mother or father said. You're what God says you are. God says you're his child. You are loved, you are cared for, and you are appreciated in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.